0: We are continuing with the book of Deuteronomy and today we have landed on chapter 27 and 28. In the first service yesterday, Pastor Chu shared extensively on the causes that bring about curses. So please uh, go on to YouTube and just listen to the sermon by Pastor Chiu. And he shares that for us to move from curses to blessings, there's only one way, obedience. And so, I'm going to carry on from there and sharing on the subject of blessings. And I've entitled this morning's message, Walking in the fullness of the of God's Blessing. Shall we begin with a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this privilege to share your word this morning. I pray you help me to communicate it clearly and succinctly so that the hearts of your people may receive whatever that is of you, may it be established upon the tablets of their heart and whatever that is not of you, may it be quickly forgotten. I give thanks and I pray this, In Jesus' name. Amen. From chapter 4 to chapter 26 of Deuteronomy, God laid down his decrees, his laws, his commands, his rules, and his regulations for the people of Israel to follow. For what purpose? So that God can set them apart for him. That people looking at the Israelites can see that these are the people that is blessed. And people looking at them can then see of a life that is possible under God. And so as God's give them all of these laws and regulations on command, they hear. But how do you go from hearing to obeying? all of us are selfish by nature and we want things our own way. We were, uh, seldom obey anyone we don't know, anyone we don't trust, anyone whom we have no relationship with. And so God told the Israelites, as you go into the promised land, they are to do three things. Yeah, so that they will come to know God, come to trust God, and then obey God. They are to set up a prayer altar, they are to proclaim, and they are to position themselves. Firstly, build an altar to God. As they go across the Jordan, God says, build an altar for me, and on it, make Burn uh, offerings or sacrifices. You ask, what's the purpose of building an altar? Well, an altar—it's a spiritual gateway. It opens the door for us to come into the presence of God. Where an altar is built, the spiritual realm above did opens to impact and to touch the physical realm. That's why we have always encouraged everyone here, build an altar in your own house, so that the spiritual realm above your house opens up, and then to touch and bring godly atmosphere into your house. At the place where an altar is built, that's holy ground. And so your home becomes holy ground. What is holy, the devil cannot touch. Secondly, it is a place of worship. Worship is putting God at the place due to him. His rightful place, the most high place. It is acknowledging that he is the Lord God Almighty, creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the God most high, sovereign ruler of the entire universe. He is the King of kings, he is the Lord of lords. Worship is an attitude of putting God above all things, above all people, above all government, Above all circumstances, and when we put God in his rightful place, God then acts. It is a place of intimate communion with God. It is our own private space and time with God. It is a place of encounter with God, a place of relationship, a place of intimacy, a place where we exchange our weakness for God's strength. We exchange our worries and anxieties for God's peace. And so our prayer is not an activity. It is an intimacy for the audience of one. And with intimacy comes spiritual authority. It is a place of covenant, reading and embracing God's word. When we come to the altar, we come with open hearts, open minds to learn, to discover, to know who our God is. What are his values? What are his attributes? What are his plans? What is his purpose for all of us? Through the reading of his word and by the leading of his Holy Spirit, we discover all of these things. And as we discover who our God really is, you want to know him more. You want to obey him. You want to trust him more. And so because of that, you will obey him and you will want to renew and... uh, and reestablish all the covenants that he has for you in his word. The altar is a place of worship. The one who builds an altar must bring a sacrifice to the altar. The power of an altar is in the sacrifice. And all of you, has the most powerful sacrifice ever made. The blood of the Lamb, the body and the blood of the Son of God was sacrificed for your altar. And so your altar is the most powerful altar there ever can be. And because you have believed and received Jesus, your body in Christ is now a living sacrifice that you bring to the altar, together with your sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. When all of these elements are present in the altar, the altar becomes a place of blessing. It is a place where God visits you, reveals to you, imparts to you, and anoints you for his good purpose. It is a place where God cleanses you so that the enemy has no legal right to attack you. Abraham, looking at uh, chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, is the first and only one cited for obedience. But how did he come to be cited for obedience and so be counted as blessed and be counted as righteous. Genesis gives us the reason. God told him, go throughout the length and breadth of the land, God will give him. What did he do? And wherever Abraham went, he set up an altar and call upon the name of the Lord. How did Abraham move into obedience with God? Everywhere he went, he built an altar to God. So he begs the question, what ought then be your priority? Shouldn't it be to then build an altar to God in your house? And so may I suggest, if any of you have no altar in your home, then your first priority after today is to build that altar in your home. Secondly, we are to proclaim the word of God. So as they cross onto the Jordan, God gave instruction. Six stripes on Mount Gerizim proclaim the blessings. Six stripes on Mount Ebal proclaim curses. Where do they proclaim from? From the mountains. From the mountain top. Signifying the importance of God's word. Both the blessings and the warnings. Telling us we cannot be selective when it comes to God's word. All of God's word is important and all of it must be obeyed. Yep. The word proclaim is, in Hebrew means to pronounce, to declare, to shout, to speak, to confess God's word. It means to speak with our mouth what God already said in his word. To make the words of our mouth agree with the word of God. Why? Because when we proclaim God's word, the authority of God's word is spoken into the situation. Yep. And so, the most effective way of releasing God's power into a situation is to proclaim his word then the authority of God's word and the power of God's word comes into your situation. Prophet Jeremiah has this to say to it: It is the Lord who watches over his own word that you proclaim, and he will see that it is fulfilled. You proclaim, God says, I will fulfill it because it is his word. The prophet in Isaiah, God himself says this. His word, which you have proclaimed, will not return to him what? Void. It will accomplish, it will prosper in all that God has intended it to be. So what are we to do? Proclaim. And when the people proclaim. Uh, The leaders proclaim, what are the others to do? They are to shout, Amen. Amen means, so be it. Amen means, I agree. Amen means, you have engaged your mind and your heart to agree and to affirm. Now watch the sequence of God's word. You see with your eyes the word. You proclaim with your mouth the word. You hear with your ear the word. You agree with your mind and your heart, the word. When it comes to God's word, you engage with every senses that you have. You engage with your entire being so that your limbs, your hands, then can go forth and act. If you count the number of Amen there, that is actually 12 amens. You know, uh, numbers have significance in the Bible. The number 12 is the number for governance. Every time you proclaim God's word, God then, his word then governs the situation that you are in. You want God's blessings and God's words to govern your situation, you proclaim and say, Amen, that you agree. That's how you bring God's power into your situation. You embrace your position in the Lord. When they cross over, the Lord tells them, "Yeah." when you follow his commands, what did God do? God says he will set you high above all the nations on earth. God's plan is that you be the top. God wants to set you high. He must set you high first because only from that position that he has set you high, this follows. All these blessings will come upon you. What's the operative word? All. Is it half the blessings? Is it three quarter? God says all of the blessings that I'm about to share will come upon you if you obey the Lord, your God. But God first has to set us high above everything else. If all of us were to base on our own strength and try to obey God's word, like the Israelites, we will fail miserably. If we can do it ourselves, Jesus need not have come. But because we are unable to obey all the stipulations of God's word, Jesus then have to come and pay the price. And because Jesus came, all the stipulations in Deuteronomy, if you keep, if you keep, if you keep, have been kept by Jesus for all of us. And so today, because Jesus has done that, he has now empowered all of us through his Holy Spirit to be able to keep every command that is in God's word. Because of that, all of us are blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. And so... Our position. Let me anchor it for you. Why you are already in the high place. Scripture. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him. Where? In the heavenly realms. In Christ Jesus. Because you are in Christ Jesus, you are now set high above all principalities, above all powers, above all nations so that the blessings can then flow to you. What did it say? Blessed be the God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who blesses in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Where? In the heavenly places. Because bless, God has blessed you in the heavenly places, it will now manifest on the earthly places. And the first of which is you are blessed in the city and blessed in the country. Who is blessed? Is it the city or is it you? Me. God blesses the person, not the place. So God blesses you, not where you are. So parents, you don't have to send your children to the most expensive international school Amen. for them to be blessed. They can go to a Chinese school or a Kebangsaan school and still be equally blessed. They don't have, not, or rather not making Oxford and Harvard is not the end of the world. They can go to any university and be equally blessed. Let me anchor this for you in scripture. There's a place in Jira, Isaac, which is the seed of Abraham. And we, who are his spiritual seed, Isaac becomes a picture of us. There was famine in the land, in Jira. Oh, before that, it's because of you that nations and cities are blessed. Not the place... You, who then goes on to bless the city. Okay? So, there's a famine in the land. Isaac was in Jira, and he wanted to go down to Egypt. Why? To escape the famine. But God appeared before him and said, Isaac, stay. I will be with you and bless you. And so, Isaac stayed in Jira. What's happening? There is famine in the land. And what happened? Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year yeah, where there is famine reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continues to grow until he became very wealthy. Yeah. In the coming 12 to 18 months, the world and our nation will go through some very tough economic situation. Doesn't matter whether it's inflation, deflation, stagflation, recession, or depression. God can bless you supernaturally. God intends to bless you supernaturally. And he then go on to say the Philistines, the Philistines are people that don't believe in the God of Abraham, then, and with Isaac. Let me therefore now proclaim for all of you here and online that God will prosper, continue prospering you, and will make you very prosperous so that the Philistines of Malaysia will all envy each and every one of you. God then says He will give us a qualitative and quantitative blessing. The fruit of your womb shall be blessed, crops of the land, that's your work, the young of your stock, that's your wealth, yeah? will all be blessed. So what is it? Your three produce will be blessed. Your womb, your work, your wealth. Whatever you produce and reproduce will be blessed by God. But let me just stay with the fruit of the womb, which is your children. Yeah? Your children will be blessed. That's God's intention. You, they will be strong. They will be healthy. They will be bright. They will be intelligent. They will be loving. They will be kind. They will be compassionate. They will be caring. That's what God wants of your children. Now by implication, to have strong and healthy children, you, your own body needs to be strong and healthy. So by implication, your own body is blessed. You will be strong and healthy in the Lord. But then when you keep on reading at verse 11, you get almost the same verse, some of you will ask, is God repeating himself? Because he says, the Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your stock, of your livestock, the crops of your land. Exactly the same blessing. But there is only one pre that it will be God who will grant you abundant prosperity. So what God intends to bless you, not only qualitatively, it will be quantitatively. When it comes to the fruit of your womb, God never intends for you to have one, children, one child. He wants you to have as many as you can, you know, so that the nation of Malaysia can be blessed. <laughs> and God has a reason for it. One. Now, let's look at Scripture. He says, Children are indeed a heritage or a gift from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. God intends for you to have many. Why? So that the enemies can never prevail you against you at the gates. You know. When I read this, I'm actually reminded uh, of a quote by Joseph, Joseph Stalin, who was the... Uh, leader of Russia during the Second World War. And when, when he was asked, how was it possible that you overcame the most powerful army, the best equipped army, the most modern army, the best trained army, how were Russia able to defeat Nazi Germany? And Joseph Stalin just gave one answer. Quantity has a quality all its own. Meaning, quantity is a quality in itself. Many, that's why God wants you to have many. God is a God of many, of abundance. He wants you to have many. But of course, we know, you know, for Russia to win, 8.7 million sons of Russia, that's the military army, died in that war, and totally they sacrificed 26.6 million of their citizens to defeat Nazi Germany. And so if you see what's happening in Ukraine and Russia today, if you know its history, you understand why Russia does what it did. What they are doing is horrible by all means, but it is because of what they have gone through that they will always protect their flanks, which is in Ukraine. Okay, and so, for those of you who are believing in God for a child, I now speak into your womb that God will bless you with many good, and godly children in the name of Jesus. Then God goes on to say, you will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. Why does God bless us in our coming in first? Yeah? Before he blessed our going out. Why does God want to bless your family and your home first? before he bless your going out families is god's building block of society way before god instituted churches and governments god ordained families and so what god ordains god blesses God provides and God protects. It is no coincidence that the very first miracle that Jesus did was in the formation of a family in Canaan. That's why God will always bless your family first. And so God has a divine order. God himself, family, then work. Family first before work. Even though the word work in Hebrew means that we serve God with our labor. That means you're serving God with your labor. That's your ministry. Yeah? And the word work is also a worship. Our work then becomes a worship to God. Even though your work is your worship to God, God says the divine priority is that your family comes first. Before your ministry before your work. So, fathers, parents, take care of your family first because that's God's divine order. And when you follow God's divine order, God's blessings then come upon each and every one of you. Victory over your enemies. The Lord will cause your enemies... uh, who rise against you to be defeated before your face. That means the enemies must be near you, must be before your face, before God defeats them for you. You ask, are you God? Why don't you defeat my enemies way before they come? You know, I'm so anxious, so worried. You know, same question the Israelites asked. You know, they were facing the Red Sea. And behind them, bearing down upon them was the armies of Egypt. And so all the Israelites, they haven't built their altar yet, yeah? So they react in the natural. They blame their pastor. They blame (laughs) Pastor Moses. Aren't there enough graves in Egypt that you have to take us out here to die in the desert? Pastor Moses didn't have an associate pastor to blame, so he cried out to God, Lord, what about this? And the Lord said, why are you crying out to me? Because God has already given him everything that he needs. So he lifted up his staff, stretched out his hand, the Red Sea parted. God will let the enemies come before you because God wants you to face your enemy before he defeats it for you. If you don't face your enemy, there is no way you can defeat your enemy. You are always running away from your enemies. How then do you defeat it? God says, face your enemy. It is he who will then defeat it, you know. He does not defeat it way way before he comes to your face. Because if he has done so, you would not even be aware of it. You would not even know that it is him who has defeated your enemy for you. And so you would not have acknowledged him and give him thanks for it. That's why. But the second uh, verse is more amazing. They shall come against you one way and flee before you in seven. Your enemies come against you one way. So today, we need to give thanks to God because all our enemies, all the devils and demons of the world can come against us only one way. You ask, what way is that? Huh? Through your troubled heart. Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. In this world, we got many things. We got our position. We got our finances. We got this, we got that. But God reminds us this morning, you got one thing. You got your heart. And God then guards the rest. So this is from Apostle Peter. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, your enemy, who the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Who does the devil devour? Those who are worried, those who are anxious. What's that? The condition of your heart. So you need to guard your heart. Because you guard your heart, you know, Jesus have this to say. Peace I live with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You know, all, all the disciples uh, saw Jesus, never saw Jesus sick for a day. They never saw him being anxious or worried. Because Jesus is always at peace and he wants to live this peace with us. So, only one thing required of us. What's that? Let your heart not be troubled. Let it not be afraid. Your spouse cannot let your heart not be troubled. Your pastor cannot let your heart not be tra- troubled. Only you can let your heart not be troubled. You ask how? How? Hey, it's about this morning. First thing, when, if, and when your finances are dwindling, when your investments are tanking, when your relationships are fracturing, when your job is flying, God says, come back to his first priority. Come before the altar. Of God, and there you exchange your worries for God's peace. There you proclaim His word into your situation. There you hold on to where God has put you high above. Then, as Jesus did, as He spoke into the storm, like all the storms that you have, when you speak into it, there was a mega come because the Word of God has been proclaimed over all the storms in your own life. Oops. Can I have back the slides? And so, this is what apostle Peter prayed for us, yeah? Oops, sorry. Next. Favor on the works of your hands. Meaning, Lord, that everything that you do will be blessed. This is an amazing blessing eh? because it says whatever you lay your hands on, whatever you do will succeed and will prosper. In the Bible, there is a record of few individuals that, work, uh, that walks in this anointing. One of them is, of course, Abraham. And the king of that era, King Abel Malek, which is secular king, looks at uh, Abraham and made this amazing, profound statement that God is with you in everything you do. What a statement. That means everything that Abraham did succeed and prosper. The second person that is recorded for this is Joseph. Whatever Joseph planted, it became a bumper crop. Whatever that the master passed to him, he did it excellently well and succeed. And so his master, Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with him Joseph, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hands. But the greatest example of this anointing is actually our Lord Jesus. Jesus touched a leper and that leper went home that day completely healed. Jesus touched Jairus' daughter and she rose From the dead, Jesus touched five loaves and two fish, and it fed multitudes. There was a group of fishermen that fished all night and caught nothing. But when Jesus stepped into the boat, it became a net-breaking, boat-sinking load of a catch. But what is most amazing is what Jesus then goes on to say. This, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works. Exactly as Jesus did. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father so that he can intercede for us there. So whatever that Jesus do, we are supposed to be able to do. So all the blessings that we are proclaiming today you can have, you can do because of what Jesus has promised, what he has already done. Yeah? And that's why Apostle Peter, or John, sorry, has this, prayed this prayer for all of us. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in half a thing, three quarter, in what? in all things and be in health just as your soul prosper. He's not talking about spiritual things. He says earthly things. All things is for us to prosper in. God wants us to go on to live a death-free life. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty send you rain in season to bless the work of your hands, which we have covered. You will lend to many nations, but borrow from none. God's intent for all of us is that we are not to borrow. He is your God that provides. He wants to provide every of your needs. He never intended for us to have a mindset that to have this thing, we must first borrow. He intends that he be your provider for everything. That's why Apostle Paul tells us this, yeah? All, no one, anything. All who? No one. All, none. What are you to all people? Nothing at all. Not anything at all. Except love. Except that you must go and bless others. That's the only thing, you all people. That's your love to be a blessing. You know, the Jewish children are taught from very young, from the books of Proverbs, about money. So, we often hear this verse, teach a child the way he should go, so that as he grows up, he will not depart from it. You heard this verse? What's the context? What's the context of that verse? Look at the verse after it. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. It's about money. The Jewish children are taught very young about money. What are they taught? Never borrow. Be a lender, not a borrower. And that's why they ended up being the money lenders of Europe before the Second World War. And today, they are bankers to the world. From very early, they are taught, do not borrow, God will provide. Your role is to lend to others. And so the Jewish people know, if I keep on lending, I'm very prosperous. But let me just make it absolutely clear so that I would not be accused of heresy. Huh? Borrowing is not a sin. If borrowing is a sin, then your lending which the other side of the coin becomes a sin. But God's desire is that you do not borrow. Don't have a mindset that to, be, uh, to have anything, you have to borrow against it. Do not borrow. God's intent for a better life for you is that you live life without borrowings. That's why in verse 44, same chapter, the other part, the curses. What's the curse? When they borrow from from others and that they borrow from aliens and the aliens then become their head and they ended up being the tail. Do not borrow if you can. And finally, oops, can I have my slides back again? On the summit. This is the last blessing that is listed. He said you will end up being the head, not the tail. You will always be at the top never at the bottom. How did we start the entire blessing? First, God has to set you high above. That's where we begin. It ends as it begins, that it is now manifested on earth that you will be on top, that you will be the leader, that you will influence others, you will impact others, you will be a blessing to others, that you will fly high, stay high, and last long. That's God's position for you. God has never intended for any one of you to be at the lower, lowest rung of the ladder socially, economically, professionally. Yeah, God has always intended that you live high above and not below. But many of us accept less for ourselves when we don't see ourselves at the living above no. when we are allow our past experience and what people say about us to determine where our position is it cancels out what God has intended for you at the top but then you ask Why do I need to be at the top? Because God paid a very high price for you to be at the top. His blood, His body was sacrificed for you so that you can be seated with Him at the top. He has paid the highest price. Secondly, God intends for you to be a witness for Him that you are a people blessed, that people looking at you will see of a life that is possible in God, in Jesus. How else do you bring people to God if your life is not in order and right? God wants you to be at the top. So long as the Israelites obey God wholeheartedly, no enemies can stay in their path. All their needs was met And they were well in their body But the moment They became slothful Or unfaithful Everything Changes Today we continue to fight That battle But the difference between the Israelites And us The war has already been won At Calvary We don't fight for victory We fight from victory Jesus has already won that battle for all of us and so God in his word this morning says take hold of that victory that he has already won for you, don't give up your place there how do we maintain our place there and we did. I close. Build an altar to the Lord your God and come to it regularly. Embrace or saturate yourself with God's Word and proclaim it over every situation you come upon. Let God fulfill His Word. Let God watch over His Word so that it will prosper you as He has intended. And lastly, embrace your position bought with a very high price the blood and the body of the Son of God so that you can be up there and with that, in that position, God's blessings then flow to each and every one of us. I want now to end by just proclaiming God's blessings upon everyone here and those online. Yeah, and I I'm certain you have you will know how to respond when God's word is proclaimed. Okay. Okay, so everyone stand. because you are in Jesus and Jesus has set you high above every other nation, above every other people. You are now blessed in the city and blessed in the country. Amen. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. Amen. Your basket and kneading trough will be blessed. Amen. You will be blessed in your coming in And you're going out, amen. The God, the Lord will grant you victory over your enemies, they will come to you in one direction, but they will flee in seven. The Lord sent a blessing on all your bonds, please take note that all your bonds are plural, not singular. So, His blessings to you is multitudes. Upon multitudes. Amen. God bless you on everything you put your hands to, that you will succeed and prosper. Amen. The Lord will establish you as His holy people, as His holy people. Amen. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb so that your children will be strong and healthy, bright and intelligent and you will have many, many, many of them. Amen. You will lend to many and borrow from none. Amen. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail Amen. you will always be on top and never the bottom Amen. i proclaim all of god's blessing to each and every one of you in the mighty name of jesus Amen. Hallelujah! Amen. thank you lord for your truth that you have revealed today and may it be established on the hearts of all your people here and online, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can declare that everyone here and online is now free, delivered, whole, and victorious over every lack in their life. Thank you, Lord, that your blessings is upon each and every one that your blessings surround us and whatever we do wherever we go we are blessed we will succeed we will prosper and we proclaim all of this in the mighty name of our lord and savior jesus christ